What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 105 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. Uh, not answer the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beards. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we will talk about what we've been eating, answer a listener question, and then break down several news items that have piqued our interest this week with the return of our Vegan News Roundup. That's right. Happy World Vegan Day, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Happy World Vegan Day a week ago, everybody. A week ago. <laughs> For us recording right now, we are currently celebrating World Vegan Day. I am going to celebrate by eating some Beyond Burgers later this evening. Paul, do you have any special plans? I've already eaten three tofurkey sausages today, and I might just have that fourth one uh, after we record. A step up from your usual raw block of tofu. A, l- a-, a little step up. But only, Andy, because something's wrong with my refrigerator, and it's it's freezing things. So I took out my tofu to eat the raw block of tofu, and it was just frozen. It was just an, a, a tofu ice cube. That's when you stick it on a fork, and you have a tofu pop. <laughs> Not to be confused with the tofu pups, which are delicious. And I would I would wish I had some of those instead of my raw block of tofu. Yeah, they're no they're no light life hot dog, in my opinion, Paul. Andy. I had that Life Life hot dog last week. Wasn't as good. It was not as good. <laughs> the debate the debate rages on. Well, before <laughs> let's we... just let's just talk about this for the next two hours. <laughs> Welcome to the hot dog debate hour. Before <laughs> we move on into our program, just a little quick announcement that I, Andy, was on the most recent episode of Easy Vegan Radio with JL Fields, who I was on a panel with in New Jersey VegFest. JL is just a wonderful human being, has a really cool show, and it's just a nice, it's like 28 minutes long, it's right into the interview, so uh, definitely go go check that out. We sort of continue our conversation about body shaming within the vegan movement, it's a continuation of some of the stuff we've talked about on this show, so give it a listen if you feel so inclined, we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Can't wait to listen to that, Andy. It's a fun time. I love you. I love hearing your voice in this recording, but I also love hearing your voice in other recordings, too. So, <laughs> Paul, you know, you could just call me any old time if you want to chat. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Well, so I just did the Central Florida Veg Fest, which is in Orlando, Florida. Didn't get to eat a lot at the fest, as usual, pretty busy. But one of my helpers recommended this place to me that I hadn't heard of before. She's like, it's probably the best food in Orlando. It's awesome. And uh, apologies that I'm not entirely sure on the pronunciation. Uh, it's either Da Jen or Da Jen. I know the owner's name is Jen. So uh, apologies <laughs> on that. I did not ask for the correct pronunciation when I was in there. But this is an all vegan restaurant. And they also call it a creamery. They make their own ice cream. And it's located inside of a sitgo station. Interesting. Yes, it's. Uh, I'm listening. <laughs> 
you would not know it from driving by. So I guess you sort of have to be in the know. But but you walk in and you're like, all right, there's all the sodas and there's the chips and there's cigarettes and scratch off tickets. And then, oh, all the way in the corner. What is this? And it's this food stand that makes the most delicious food. I, I think I can safely say this is my new favorite place to eat in Orlando. And I got two items. The first was this chicken and biscuit sandwich. And they use like the, I believe the Maywa chicken and it's breaded and fried. And they put like kind of a spicy aioli drizzle on it. And then also a drizzle of this kind of sweet hot sauce. It's very delicious. Sounds good. But what I loved and what you can find a picture of on our Instagram, the Beard Vegans, is the sort of build your own plate. And I got basically everything they could. And it comes with the fried chicken, which is the same one that's on that biscuit. It comes with a broccoli slaw salad. It comes with sweet and sour cauliflower bites. And then the star of the show, Paul, was this jerk chicken. I saw that pic, Andy, and could not stop drooling. It was so good. So I will probably go there tomorrow before I leave Orlando, but definitely really good when i posted that picture so on our instagram apologies and i'm i'm blanking on the name right now it was like i just made jen's brown stew cauliflower and i was actually just up in gainesville for fest and i went to reggae shack one of my favorites i've gushed about them on the show before brown stew tofu is my thing to get so i actually looked it up online and i found this brown stew cauliflower recipe i'm going to include that in the show notes if anyone wants to make it because i cannot wait to make it so yeah definitely that's Dejen Eats in Orlando, Florida. I highly recommend everyone checks it out. Really cool. And also very reasonable. I think I paid like some like I think it was 10 or 12 something like that for the for like the combo platter mm-hmm. and it was I was shocked at how heavy it was when it was handed over to me. So <laughs> uh, definitely your kind of meal, Paul. I I love it. I I honestly when you when you shared that picture with me Andy, I was like, "Ooh. Ooh. This pic's going to get a lot of <laughs> likes on the old Instagram." Paul Mm-hmm. You put anything delicious in that mouth of yours this week? Well, as most of you probably realized, it was Halloween about a week ago, and I got some spooky Halloween cookies from Crust, which is a cool vegan bakery in Philadelphia. They don't have a, a, a like a bakery or anything like that. They just kind of operate out of this kitchen that I'm pretty sure they rent. And I know you can get these subscription boxes that I got a peek into and they looked pretty darn good. It was a nice assortment of treats, but I just got some, some good old spooky sugar cookies. They all were different spooky (laughs) shapes, like ghosts and tombstones and bats and stuff. You know, the classic spooky sugar cookie. (laughs) And yeah, it was really good. I I definitely had their stuff before at, cause they sell it at Grindcore house along with vegan treats, but it was good. Just wanted to give them a little shout out because I don't think they've ever gotten a shout out on the show. A show shout out. <laughs> An SS? Yeah. <laughs> SSO? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Crust Bakery. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm pretty sure I've had their stuff before and I thought it was quite tasty. Yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of Orlando and doing the Central Florida Veg Fest, a couple beardos stopped by. And I have bad handwriting, and there's like a few names that I couldn't quite decipher. So I, I'm pretty sure I got them right, but apologies if I don't. Thank you to the beardos that stopped by Austin, Sam, Ashley, Sita, Jose, and Christine. And Paul, mm-hmm. I've had a few different beardos say this recently at various Veg Fests, and they come up and they're like, I thought you were the other guy. <laughs> and we've, we've had this before. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what leads to that. It seems to be a pretty prevalent comment, and I'm wondering if most people do assume correctly, and obviously they wouldn't say that. if They, they would just be like, you are exactly what I thought you would look like. <laughs> yeah. 
No, so. but it is definitely a lot. It's a lot more than, and it's interesting because I, I feel like you, we will occasionally post videos of ourselves talking on Instagram. Maybe people just don't see them. Shame on, yeah. shame on you, everyone out there. <laughs> I wish there was some way to like to do a poll where people are like, which voice belongs to who? Yeah. I'm, I, well, Instagram has that poll option now. I, so. I think that technology is out of our reach, Paul. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm Paul. I'm Andy. So yeah, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. The more you know. All right, let's let's move on into our listener question this week. So this email comes in from Rachel P., who emailed in after our listener question that we answered two episodes ago, talking about how do we help our loved ones go vegan? Should we get hung up on all that stuff, dealing with all those issues? So you can go check that out if you missed it. But this uh, is a follow-up to that, and Rachel wrote, The mailbag question here resonated with me a lot. I went vegan about 2.5 years into my relationship, and while my boyfriend just does not get it, he's respectful enough when he's not complaining that we basically cook two entirely different dinners each night and go through a million dishes. That aside, I was curious to hear your take on another aspect of this. I'm the grocery shopper. I actually enjoy grocery shopping, whereas my boyfriend has always hated it, so it was an easy enough chore for me to effortlessly take in when we moved in together. Now, as a vegan, I find myself not wanting to buy non-vegan products, especially, but not exclusively, steaks. But it also feels disrespectful to my boyfriend to say, look, after two years of this routine, sorry, but buy your own food. So what's your take here? And I believe we we addressed something kind of similar to this way back in our episode 42 where we talked about dating non-vegans. And I, I think Paul and I, I think we had slightly different stances on this whole thing, but Paul... How would you navigate this situation? I would navigate it, Andy, by every week buying one less meat product or one less non-vegan product so that the boyfriend doesn't realize that there's less stuff. And then <laughs> after like 10 weeks, there's just no more. It's just all vegan. And he's like, wait a second, what's going on here? But my serious response to this is I feel like everyone has their, you know, their line that like this is where I'm drawing the line and and I don't feel comfortable buying these non-vegan products and that's my line and if that's your line that's I feel like that's totally cool and hopefully your partner will respect that um and I I think if you if you explain that to them in the in a you know in a if you explain it to them in a respectful way hopefully they'll give you that respect back and be like cool i i i get that i get that that why that would make you uncomfortable i get that it makes you uncomfortable so i won't expect you to to get those things anymore and if i want to buy these non-vegan products then i'll have to make my way to the grocery store and get them i don't think that that's an unreasonable thing to ask uh of someone yeah, I, I I do agree with that, Paul. I think as with any aspect of any relationship, communication is key, and you should be able to have a, a relationship where you are able to bring these things up and explain how important this has become to you, how how ethically you just disagree with it, and that doesn't mean you love your partner any less, but you're at a point where you don't feel comfortable purchasing those things anymore. I would also say I feel like there's got to be some middle ground where you don't have to each prepare two totally separate dinners every night. You know, I know a lot of couples that are sort of half vegan, half not vegan, and it's just sort of generally speaking, 
it defaults to a vegan meal and maybe sometimes the non-vegan will sprinkle on some cheese or something afterwards but I feel like you got to start working to find some meals that both of you are going to be able to enjoy together because that is way too many dishes. And like, I feel like maybe at the very least, like the side dishes are vegan, you know, so it's which which I mean, I feel like it's easy to make those anyways, the side dishes, vegan side dishes. So the only different dish might be the entree if if the one person's having like chicken and the other person's having, let's say a, a tofurkey sausage. So it, it, like, <laughs> so I, I feel like that would be, that might be another way so that you're not making completely different courses. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know if I'm correct in assuming this, that you are also doing the cooking. Maybe you're both completely making your own separate meals. But I think you could also bring that up and say, I would love for you to start trying some of the food that I'm making. And perhaps you've already been doing that. But, you know, it it would mean so much to me if we could share some meals together. What if we could start committing to, you know, every Monday and Wednesday, we're going to share a vegan meal together and and start to kind of work it in that way and find some food that you can enjoy together. And that'll help relieve the stress of feeling like you have to go buy these non-vegan products if you can start purchasing just more vegan food in general. I think something like that could also help. Yeah, I'm into it. Well, I guess with that said, it's time to move on into the news roundup. So we had a bunch of stories come across our dash this week. I don't think anyone is going to warrant a 45-minute long discussion, but a bunch of little things that we thought would be fun to discuss on the show, some serious, some victories, some things that we think are just good for a laugh. But let's, uh, <laughs> let's dive into it. You know, someone recently mentioned on our Instagram, they said, you guys need intro music for the news. And I couldn't agree more. And I feel like that's something I want to do forever and we haven't done it. But I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll make that happen at some point. Yeah. If there's any listeners out there that want to try their hand at making us a little news audio bumper, give it a shot. Yeah. Ten minutes minimum. <laughs> All right. So this is just kind of a, actually a petition that I wanted to hype up a little bit. Um, but the headline is new campaign calls for animal rescue groups to adopt a vegan policy. And so this is something that's being spearheaded by uh, Brother Wolf Animal Sanctuary. And they are a group down in Asheville, North Carolina. They put on the Asheville Vegan Fest every year. I always uh, do that one. It's a lot of fun. Really cool city to explore. And they have started to put out this effort where they are trying to put pressure on animal rescue groups and sort of animal welfare groups. Um, I'm thinking you know, like dog and cat groups, groups of that kind of nature that will still, they don't have a vegan policy. They'll still serve animal products at their fundraisers. And we've definitely talked about the hypocrisy of that on the show before. And so they put out this petition on change.org. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. And You know, I'm always like, eh, what can a petition do? We've seen some successes, but, like, who's going to pay attention to this? But apparently the group is shooting for 100,000 signatures, and then uh, the Brother Wolf Animal Sanctuary uh, founder, Denise Bitts, is going to go and personally contact the leader of every rescue group nationwide and ask them to adopt (laughs) a public (laughs) vegan policy, which sounds like quite the undertaking, but I suppose if you have 100,000 signatures behind you, it's the type of thing that you might be able to get someone to listen. Uh, Paul, what do you, what do you think about this effort? I, I certainly appreciate it. Like regardless of whether or not we think that this is going to be effective, I do appreciate it. I personally think that it, 
it could it could make an impact, especially if this person is contacting every single rescue group. You know, like statistically, some of them are going to say, OK, we'll we'll do something about this or we'll change some aspects of it. Maybe they won't go all the way, but maybe they'll make some changes. And, you know, that'd be cool if they do that, too. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's going to do anything, but I I definitely appreciate this because it is certainly frustrating, you know, when we see those people that are, you know, like bumper stickers and stuff for cat and dog rescues, and you're like, oh, like I I appreciate that you care about cat and dogs, but please care <laughs> about these other animals too, and you know why I think it might be effective also is because this is kind of targeting people who are already the quote animal lovers. It's like these are the I feel like more than any other type of person besides vegans and vegetarians, I guess, for in terms of just meat eaters, the, the type of person that is going to say I'm an animal lover is the type of person that would be doing one of these rescue groups. I, I feel like I'm just basing this off nothing. But because of that, maybe you're going to get a better reception than if you just said, hey, here's a, a, a 100,000 signatures, you should go vegan to just any old random Joe. So <laughs> so I think that it could have some some impact because of the kind of the target that they're uh, that they're taking. I'm going to I'm going to try that now when I approach random Joe's on the street and be like, just so you know, 100,000 people think you should go vegan. And see, <laughs> see how far that gets me. Yeah, it's interesting because this this petition isn't necessarily saying we need the people that work at these rescues to go vegan. We just want them to at the very least adopt a vegan policy where they will uh, promote veganism or stop serving animal products at their events. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Maybe people will feel less personally attacked by that. But as you were saying, you know, the people that are involved in these these rescue groups are often very passionate, very likely to say that they're an animal lover. And and I'm wondering if people will will be like, "How dare you? Do you see how much I do for animals already? And how how dare you question my commitment to the animals?" Yeah, I, I think it's also about how you ask it too, because if it comes off as attacking, then yes, I have no doubt that that'll be some of their responses. But I feel like if you kind of frame it more so as like, hey, next time at your barbecue, just just don't include the meat dish, you know? If you yeah. can kind of frame it as something that's easier for them to do, something that say it's like, hey, this just don't like this is one less thing that you have to worry about and and cool and it's making it's making this much of a change obviously it's not that simple but i feel like if you frame it as something if the, the way that you frame it is going to be super crucial yes definitely and and another thing that i do love about this effort is that um brother wolf has resources and supplies and things that groups need will need to aid them in achieving these ends so it's not just like Hey, you need to adopt this policy. See you later. It's like they have very specific resources that groups can use. So I definitely think yeah. it's awesome. I would say go ahead, give this a sign. We'll put it in the show notes for you to check out. But it's uh, on change.org if you just want to Google it for yourself. But yeah, I, I think I think this is a really cool effort from Brother Wolf, and I think that as you said, it's bound to have success with at least a small percentage of these groups. And knowing that 
their groups that have a voice that can amplify out to the public. It's I think strategically it's actually a pretty smart play for for potentially making new advocates that are already activists that are already have a public voice. So good job. Good job, Brother Wolf. Yeah, and and also the last thing I'll say about this is it's definitely an issue that I think Andy you would sympathize with. This is something that is like you you get frustrated about that you're like oh like that anytime there's a barbecue for like a pig roast for benefiting dogs and cats or something like that it's certainly something that we get frustrated about but here's another rescue group that's putting this forward so again it's this whole like you know preach to your preach to your your own community like this is this is an animal rescue group going to other animal rescue groups and i think that that's that fact alone increases its chances of being effective and successful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I honestly think that they could say like, look how the vegan community has embraced us as a result of this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't think that should be the only reason that people do it. It's kind of like when you go to a business that's not vegan and you're like, look how much more money you could make if you cater to vegans, which I guess maybe it's kind of a cheap tactic, but I think that like, for these other groups to see, look at all these signatures, look at all these people that will embrace you if you do make these changes, then that'll hopefully quell their their fears of... Because I'd imagine a lot of these groups would be like, we're going to lose so many donors if we adopt these stances. You know, So I think showing the massive amount of people that, are, that will be behind them if they make this change is also super important. Definitely, definitely. So with that being said, let's move on into our next news item. I would consider this one a victory. This is coming to us from Huffington Post. Circuses banned from using elephants in New York State. There'll be no more elephants under the big top in New York State after Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill into law that prohibits the pachyderms in entertainment events like circuses and parades. Elephants will no longer be subjected to this cruel abuse, Cuomo tweeted Thursday. His sentiment echoed the argument of animal rights activists who have long said that the highly intelligent social animals shouldn't be confined and made to perform. All right. Good job, uh, Cuomo. Good, good job, Cuomo. Cuomo and de Blasio really, <laughs> really pulling out the, the stops for, uh, for this getting the vegan ball rolling and or the, the animal rights issues ball rolling in uh, new york certainly the single issue campaign ball rolling that's for sure paul yeah yeah but i I mean maybe this is like you know maybe this this momentum will continue and we'll keep seeing bigger and better things that's what i'm hoping for andy yeah well you know i i'm i'm like both like okay victory sort of but also single issue and it's just reinforcing that other animals are okay to use but then I remember back to the fall of Ringling, which was not too long ago, and how the removal of the elephants really kind of was the writing on the wall for them. And it was kind of this like final nail where they're like, yeah, we're going to try and hang on, but people come to see the elephants. So we're, you know, we're kind of just losing too much money now that people aren't coming as much. So with that said, I'm like, this is great. This could potentially be another another step towards no circuses at all in new york and maybe that spreads out to you know that sets an example for other states and i think that that could be a good thing i think especially because the circus is this very visible symbol of animal cruelty so i think it could sort of be a sign for the times i think it could be a warning to other people that are trying to get into this industry that it's a dying industry and it's something that they'd be best served trying to go find a job at cirque du soleil or something like that instead so yeah, I'd say this is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally, I, 
I agree with with what you were saying. I don't know why for some reason, the, like the more that these things happen, because I I feel like Andy in our earlier episodes we've always been like slamming single issue campaigns, and now there's like we're starting to see these victories, and we're like, huh. I mean, it's a good, it's certainly a good thing that it's happening. And uh, d- d- is it just me, or does it seem like there's a rise in these victories of of late with like the fur stuff and the circus stuff? Yeah, that's it, that's all I that's all that's the only two I could think of off the top of my head. So maybe not. But. <laughs> the rise in these two examples, it certainly does feel like there's been more announcements like that. But maybe that's just the the month that we're in. I'd have to actually look at like some sort of actual analysis of how many quote unquote positive announcements and victories have been announced over like the last ten years or something to know if we're like really in an upswing. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a a new documentary coming out that I think really is trying to paint the picture that we are in a huge upswing. Oh, what is what's what's said documentary, Andy? Well, the documentary, Paul, is called Vegan 2017. And all that's available to us right now is a brand new trailer that came out. And this is a documentary that's being put together by the folks at plantbasednews.org. And I guess they're kind of a website that would be really poised to make this specific type of documentary. Let's, let's listen to just a few seconds of the trailer right now so people can get a little bit of an idea. Everyone's vegan now. People are going vegan left and right. We've raised more than $100 million. We are putting pressure on a system, and the system will break. It looks like meat, tastes like meat, yes, even bleeds like meat. And I do think those skills are going to tip. And the debate started, what is milk? Today, people understand how cruel the fur industry is. Look at what the meat industry is, is doing to our planet. Look at what it's doing to other animals. Look at what it's doing to us. So should we all be going vegan? I promise you. The future exists where every animal is treated with love, respect, kindness, dignity, and compassion. Disproportion between that little bit of extra pleasure you might get from eating meat and the phenomenal amount of destruction required to produce it should surely commend it to anyone as a stupid thing to do. If you spent one minute in their shoes. So as people can hear, this is a trailer that is all about hyping up veganism all is saying everyone's going vegan this is the year of the vegan i'm assuming that's what the name vegan 2017 is implying and you know we like to keep you up to date on what vegan films are coming out because those are some of our favorite episodes are where we we are reviewing them so just wanted to drop this in there and i think it does actually bring up a couple of different questions about does this type of messaging work who does this appeal to and but before we even talk about that, Paul, what's kind of your overall impression of this trailer? I and mean, we just ragged on the yo-yo effect trailer two episodes ago, and I, I certainly had a much more positive reaction to this one. What about you? I did. I am from the trailer. I'm like I'm interested to see what narrative that they take, what positions that they're taking. I'm curious that it's not called Vegan 2018 because from the, the from the clips that they were showing in the trailer it, it makes it seem like and i think you already mentioned this andy it makes it seem like 2017 is the year of the vegan and like this is going to be it this is going to be the year everybody's everybody's vegan now but 2017 has already happened they're releasing this at the end of 2017 so am i making sense it, the vibe that it gave off was like looking forward things look things look hopeful but look when they say looking forward they mean looking into 2017 but 2017 is already done so there's nothing to look forward to about it it's it's more so like this has already happened 
I look forward to 2017 being over. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, it's being released in December. It says it's just going to be released on YouTube, so it'll be free. And hopefully we can we can drop a review of that when it does come out. But yeah, that's a very interesting point about the naming. Yeah, because like... One of the quotes is saying, this is the year, I think they say this is the year of vegan or something like that. Or like Dr. Oz says the the year's hottest, this is going to be the year's hottest trend. He doesn't say vegan, but I, I, I hope that they didn't just pull that clip completely out of context to make it seem like he was talking about veganism. But if that is what he He's was talking, talking about, about fidget spinners, actually, <laughs> I hope so. But like if if that's what he's saying like this is this is going to be the year's hottest trend it's like we can look back at 2017 and say unfortunately like i think we made <laughs> we can look at our progress but i don't think it was the year's hottest trend and that's what i kind of mean when i say 2017 has already happened so i don't really understand right now without just from looking at the trailer i don't really understand what the message or the narrative that they're trying to push is yeah, I mean, to me, it comes across there's like sort of a certain school of advocacy that's basically saying be super optimistic, say everyone's going vegan now to kind of emphasize how normal it is and how positive it is and how just like everybody's doing it. You want to do it, too. It's such a popular thing to do. You want to go do it. So to me, it kind of feels like this is the attitude that's being pushed forward by this documentary. I suppose it's a nice change of pace from some of the other documentaries that we have reviewed, which are kind of a lot of gloom and doom or just talking about like the health stuff. So I do appreciate that we're going to get something that has a different tone. I'm curious if it's going to be a full length film or if it's just going to be an hour, what the runtime is going to be since it is just being released on YouTube. And I'm wondering how much can they drag out a highlight reel of all the great stuff that's happened this year, but maybe there will be some people that are followed or extended interviews in there. We can only, we can only speculate wildly for now, but yeah, I mean, like, what do you think about this strategy of just very optimistically presenting veganism? I, I think that it is Andy, you know, I'm one for, I'm one for optimism, but, but I mean like rational optimism. And (laughs) I, I think that it could, it could, the 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 idea of making it into the trend that everyone's doing it could get some people on board i don't think it's going to be the thing that gets everyone on board i don't think there's anything that's going to get anyone on board necessarily but the, the whole get jump on the bandwagon cuz this is the cool thing to do certainly could could get some people cuz it's going to i i think the benefit one of the benefits of that form of advocacy is to hopefully normalize veganism and make it seem more make it seem less ostracizing or make it seem make it seem less daunting make it seem more feasible for people if if you can make it into this thing that like everyone's doing this jump on board so i think that that's a pro of it i think the cons are of course making it into a trend kind of implies that inevitably trends fade out and that people will go back to not being vegan if the, if it is a vegan trend i'd imagine they're not necessarily going to play up the trend angle too much that was more just that one dr oz clip but you certainly do have a point that if it's like everyone's doing it right now that that kind of implies that maybe there is a a crest to this whole thing and it's going to wane at some point yeah because i'm i'm trying to think of i'm no historian but i'm trying to think of an example in history 
that was where something was like trendy and then and everyone was like hyping it up and then it just like sticks around maybe cars did people hype up cars when they first came out? <laughs> heard about that model t yeah uh, i don't know i don't know i mean everyone hip- tees now i mean certainly like rap and hip-hop that was at the time a lot of people were saying oh this is just a fad this is something that's gonna die out you know and obviously it is here to stay yeah and by a I lot guess. of people, I mean probably a lot of like conservative white suburban moms and stuff. But, <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. Yeah, but ho- hopefully, vegan veganism doesn't become the next pogs. <laughs> yes, I hope not. Maybe you're right that they weren't really trying to play up the the trend aspect of it. I, I think I was kind of mixing, I was conflating the trendiness with their like big like the the optimism. Yeah. The the like the like the high optimism that they have. But maybe there are differences and maybe there's a reason why you can be super duper optimistic about this thing without making it seem like a like it's just the cool hip thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, I I guess I'm wondering what is the opposite of that? We don't want a film about vegan highlights that is all uh, things are pretty bad and we only got like three baby steps forward this year. And I think we often see these documentaries and we're like, everything's just a little blown out of proportion and we want something that's more measured. But then that doesn't make a very exciting film at the same time. Well, a lot of people seem to think a lot of people seem to think that makes a pretty OK podcast, Andy, to just critique and be really <laughs> <laughs> critical about things. I'm not going to say pessimistic or negative, but I, I think I think to answer your question, the opposite of the effective opposite of this optimism would be to be highly critical of something, which I think has its place. And so does optimism. Yeah. Yeah. I guess every documentary doesn't have to be everything all at once. So I, I for one am looking forward to checking this out and seeing what angles they do play. You know, when I, when I look at the stories that plant-based news puts out, they they are a site that will kind of ce- celebrate every celebrity that makes any kind of mention of veganism. And there's some headline that was like, so-and-so says they're going partially vegan now. And so I'm wondering, you know, how much it's going to push veganism, how much they're going to embrace reducitarian or flexitarian or, or things like that. But in general, I mean, I'm all, I'm all about embracing people where they're at and getting them further down the line. So yeah, I, I guess yeah. I, my other question for you, Paul is who is this film for? Who's going to sit down and watch this? Maybe it's like a great job. Vegans keep up the good work in 2018, like that kind of optimism where it's optimism about like, instead of trying to convert new vegans, instead of trying to do the whole trend thing, just being like, this is what we achieved this year. Great job. We're doing really good. Now let's keep doing it for 2018. Yeah. And I, th- I think that there's certainly a place for that. Not every film has to be con- all about converting new vegans. It, it can be something. Yeah, we have such, as we've talked about on the show before, such little focus on retaining vegans and preventing that recidivism rate. So yeah, I think a film like this could be a, a nice, useful tool. It could be a nice boost for, oh, these are all the things that we've gotten done this year. Yeah, and I think that's a great optimistic, like a great use of optimism is to help retain vegans. 
I yeah. think the uh, the opposite of <laughs> you were asking what what would the opposite look like. I think if Eco Razzi ever made a made a documentary movie, that's what, <laughs> that's what it would be. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, indeed. So I, I guess my only current like outright criticism is that a lot of the trailer was not particularly diverse so i hope that that is expanded upon in the full film but we will reserve judgment until we we actually see that yeah so this next this next news story doesn't like certainly vegan related not maybe worth a a a lengthy discussion about but something that's close to my heart this is coming to us from phillymag.com south philly meatball contest ends in a vegan meatball controversy (laughs) you've piqued my interest paul (laughs) so this story came out a couple weeks ago and was definitely making the rounds in like some philly facebook groups that i'm in i'm not sure if it made rounds outside of philadelphia but it's close to my heart paul it's no it's no butthole gate it's no butthole gate no but definitely close to my heart because this is where i live South Philly restaurant Tap Room on 19th hosted its fourth annual Meatballs and Gravy contest on Sunday. The meatballs ranged from barely swallowable, I actually spit one into a nearby trash can, to absolutely mediocre, the majority, to pretty fantastic, <laughs> just a few. Did I write this article, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> and all of the vibes seem pretty positive. Well, that is until the vegan meatball reared its ugly head. Well-known South Philly chef Jennifer Fear Zavala, she of illegal tamale truck fame, brought a vat of what people kept calling, in the most derogatory tone possible, the vegan meatballs. The vegan meatballs were actually an old-school Sicilian dish known as panel or panelli, made from chickpeas. And frankly, the balls and the gravy they were in were among my favorite tastes of the day, in spite of them being meat-free balls at a meatball competition. But not everyone was as open-minded as I was. It's not a fucking vegan competition, complained one cigar-chomping judge, an older gentleman who wanted to talk about what a great guy Christopher Columbus was. It's like a cartoon villain. (laughs) They're called meatballs, another judge chimed in, shaking his head in disgust. So the article kind of goes on and says how, like, not only the judges, but... Also, a lot of the contestants were just outraged at the presence of this vegan meatball. And then people started finding out that a, a tattooed woman won the contest. And this this chef is a tattooed woman. And people started getting real upset about that. And the, the chef herself wrote on Facebook, I may not make it out of Monday Alive. Apparently making a non-meat meatball gets one death threats. And the article continues... Silly, right? All this consternation over a little meatball contest at a bar in South Philly. Even sillier when you consider this. The vegan meatball did not win the meatball contest. <laughs> oh, a tattooed woman did win Taproom's meatball contest, but it wasn't, it wasn't Zavala. It was Jenna Taylor. Yes, apparently there are more than two women with tattoos in South Philly. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, this wasn't the first time that Tap Room on 19th's meatball contest ended in controversy and chaos. According to owner Michael Strauss, who started the competition four years ago, one woman who didn't win the inaugural contest set fire to her table and stormed <laughs> off in disgust. <laughs> so, yeah, th- th- I don't know how much there's to talk about this. It kind of, I-, I guess it goes to show that we still have a little ways to go to to get people to accept that vegan substitutes are just as good if not better than the originals but it's also kind of scary that that people got people were using some 
pretty uh, derogatory and sexist language towards this chef, which is a bummer. So we still got a, we still got a little ways to go, I think. Yeah, it's kind of I'm like, are these people okay? <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me so bummed out that something like this could make people so furious. I, don't know, I had a friend that used to whenever I would say, "Oh, I'm going to make vegan chicken and dumplings," he'd be like, "There's no such thing as vegan chicken and dumplings. You got to come up with a different name for it." And you're like. If I come up with a different name for it, you're just going to make fun of the weird name that I come up with it for. So, like, <laughs> I'm in this, like, weird position. And, and people get so defensive over, you can't call that cheese or you can't call this whatever it is. And it's like, this is a traditional Italian dish that the chef made. And I get the judges being like, this doesn't fit the criteria of a meatball. But for people to get so upset over this, is it's... Yeah, who, 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 who cares? Who cares, Andy? <laughs> it is it is always great though when a vegan item is entered into a competition with all other non-vegan things and wins. Uh, I know that has happened at some mac and cheese contests. It's happened at some chili contests. I'm sure there's other examples that I can think of. And obviously, when that does happen, maybe this is why people get so upset. Because when it does happen, then people have to admit that vegan food is good and potentially better than non-vegan food. Which is obviously so silly to say because everything's subjective and there's bad vegan food, there's bad non-vegan food. But maybe it, it sort of makes people feel that cognitive dissonance that we've been talking about. Where there's, I does not compute my whole life I've been making fun of vegan food and now all of a sudden this vegan food beat out the non-vegan food. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question, Paul. Given the outrage, do you think it's wise for vegans to stay away from these competitions? No, I think they should still keep entering them. I mean, obviously, if someone feels literally unsafe, maybe not. I'm sure there are competitions that, that we can find as vegans to enter where we're not going to be. Where there, Yes, I'm sure there there will still be maybe some people who are like, oh, I can't believe a vegan won this. But not to this extent. So I, I absolutely do think people should still keep doing it. And I think that when we the more we show people that the vegan food can be good the less excuse people have about being like oh all vegan food tastes bad because that is absolutely especially with with my when i was teaching high school with my students that was one of the most frequent things they would say it was like oh vegan food tastes so bad and to which i would literally always respond so you're telling me you've never had like a bad meat dish before and they'd be like yeah i have and i'm like so what's your point then <laughs> It but, is it is the unfair representation of vegan food that one vegan meal represents all of vegan food. So yeah, if you're gonna enter if you're gonna enter those contests, make sure you got something real banging because you don't want to enter. I mean, it stinks, but you don't want to enter something that's even just mediocre because then people are gonna be like, "Yep, I was right. All vegan food is bad." The end. Mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like honestly, I wouldn't present something that was like chickpeas i would present something that was made with <laughs> impossible burger meat or you know something like that 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 would really fool people here here my my entry to the vegan meatball contest is this block of tofu that i've taken a i uh <laughs> a melon ball or two and just scooped out balls of raw tofu and plopped it on the plate and the sauce is just pureed tofu <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the sauce is the water that comes in the the, <laughs> the block of tofu. <laughs> mm, that's good sauce. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on to this next one here. 
What do you got, Andy? This is from Reuters.com. U.S. moves to revoke claim that soy protein protects the heart. And so thank you to Beardo Giselle for sending this story into us. I did not see it otherwise. From this article, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, henceforth known as the U.S. FDA, on Monday proposed a rule revoking the right of companies to say soy protein protects the heart while potentially allowing a more circumspect health claim. The agency, which to date has never revoked a health claim, says studies published since it authorized the soy protein claim in 1999 has shown inconsistent results. Our review of that evidence has led us to conclude that the relationship between soy protein and heart disease does not meet the rigorous standards for an FDA-authorized health claim, the agency said in a statement. You're telling me I've been eating all this raw tofu for nothing? (laughs) Just for the taste, Paul. Just for the t- yes, always for the taste. So, what are you going to say, Andy? Uh, well, my question is conspiracy. Does this news matter at all? Should we care about this? What does this mean for vegans? And how do we respond when people bring it up? Go. <laughs> I think what it means for vegans is that we will have to, we will be forced to respond to this when people post it on our walls as a gotcha. I told you everything was wrong with veganism moment. I mean, I think there's a few different ways to respond to this. I think one of the ways would just to be to reiterate that we're not doing this necessarily for our health. We're doing this for the animals. But beyond that, veganism, you can post 10 million other links that say that veganism still promote like it's it's still possible and you can still be capable of eating a, you know, quote, healthy lifestyle on a vegan diet. And it and it can actually promote health benefits in these in these specific ways and Furthermore, just because this is saying that soy doesn't necessarily protect your heart is not saying that soy damages your heart. Like it's it's not the absence of the positive is not equal to the negative. So I think that'd be another that'd be another thing to say. It, it's like, cool. I, I mean, yeah, I know that potato chips aren't protecting my heart, but I'm still going to eat those all the time. <laughs> yes, I, I think it's important to say that. All of the articles that I read on this particular story noted that they're not saying that soy is unhealthy, just that it's not necessarily proven that it has these preventative qualities for helping your heart and reversing heart disease, preventing heart disease. So it's not even saying soy is unhealthy for you. It's just saying like, hey, we need to do a little more research on this. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I I think... The in, to me, the most interesting point about this is that uh, the U.S. FDA has never revoked a health claim, which seems surprising to me because I believe the U.S. FDA has been around for a long time. And I feel like <laughs> there's been some questionable uh, health food guidelines like 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that is really surprising. And that, that, that kind of makes me think, is there some weird conspiracy angle to this whole thing? I'm saying. Obviously, there are plenty of vegans out there that just don't eat soy at all. There's vegans with soy allergies. Soy is not a necessary component of the vegan diet. It is something that is relatively prevalent. But uh, Shannon from Cineholic used to run SoyFreeVegan.com. It has not been updated in many years, but it's all still there for people to look at. There's a resource there. And so I think, one, we can always say you don't have to eat soy. I think when we saw this a couple of years ago when there was all of the uproar about the quinoa, 
and how that's hurting farmers in the Andes and all these things and, and all these debunkings came out. But basically, people would say, well, ha, you vegans all eat all this tons of quinoa and therefore you're hurting people and all these things. It's like most vegans I know don't eat quinoa very often, if at all. I know a lot of ones that, that don't like it. And, and so it's like there's no one ingredient that is necessary for someone to consume plant-based foods. And it's weird whenever, you know, I, I can see it already. The study is going to be used to say you can't go vegan now because all of a sudden this doesn't have any great health benefits or whatever it might be. And it's just so weird that it's like when people ask like, oh, what do vegans eat? And it's like, well, there's a billion different ways that you could eat as a vegan. There's no one thing that you must eat. So I'm, I'm, I, know it, I know it's coming. I know the posts are coming about this, but to me... It's just going to be another thing we're going to have to debunk time and time again. Also, I would say have this link handy for when people start posting the inevitable links that I can already see in my mind that are saying eating soy is bad for you. And like US, US FDA releases study that says eating soy is bad for you. Just have this link handy, post it and say, hey, the real link or I don't know if this is like the the actual study. I'm sure it's not the actual study, but find the actual study and be like, hey, the actual study says it's not necessarily good for you. More research needs to be done to see if it's good for you, which does not mean it's bad for you. But I can already tell, I can already see the like the clickbaity titles latching on to, oh, it's to, like eat soy. So, soy will make your heart explode. Buzzfeed.buzzfeed.com. <laughs> which type of soy-based heart explosion are you? Take our quiz. <laughs> Oh, that was good. So yeah, just you know, just thank you. <laughs> I, I can foresee that coming, and and in general, I think that's good for when you're reading all of these kind of those sorts of inflammatory titled articles, both for and against veganism, because you know we do it too as vegans, or journalists do it too in articles favorable to veganism. You know, it's always useful to go to the source article or the source study and kind of figure out. Is that actually what the the study is saying, or are they kind of making a causation where there should just be a correlation? Definitely. And we already deal with so much negative soy stigma already, so this is just going to be another piece of fuel added to that fire. So be ready to debunk. Should we move on to our last piece, Andy? Let's do it, Paul. Hit us with that last piece. You know, out of all the things that I'm disappointed about in this article— you know what my number one disappointment is, Andy? What is that? The missed foul, foul pun in the in the title. Hmm. So this this is coming to us from uh, thehumaneleague.com, a blog post called Calling Foul, F-O-U-L, Missed Opportunity, Calling Foul on McDonald's New Chicken Welfare Policy. Over the past year, a new set of welfare policies has inspired meaningful progress for farm animals. Some of the largest U.S. food service companies and fast food restaurants are heeding consumer demand for specific improvements in the way chickens raised for meat are treated. However, industry giant McDonald's today issued its own policy that can only be characterized as a hollow nod to animal welfare and a reversal of concern for the well-being of farm animals. We can all agree that the way that the 9 billion chickens slaughtered each year in the U.S. is undeniably cruel. Anyone with a strong enough stomach to watch footage of chicken slaughter would be hard-pressed to describe it as anything but gruesome. Equally as dismal, however, is what happens beforehand. The chickens exploited by the industry are bred to grow unnaturally fast and grotesquely large. 
We will not settle for a so-called welfare policy from McDonald's that effectively ignores quality of life. As a company that claims to listen to the concerns of its consumers about where their food comes from, McDonald's needs to do better. The, the Humane League will fight to reduce the enormous suffering the millions of chickens in McDonald's supply chain endure on the factory farms every day. Through our 88% campaign, the Humane League is actively working to create change for the billions of chickens that needlessly suffer the worst cruelties in factory farming only to end up on people's plates. So I didn't read all of that blog post. There's a little bit in the middle that I cut out that was mostly just describing uh, some of the the things that happen, like the illnesses that chickens get, the diseases that they get when they're being raised, or even if they're healthy, the, the, the terrible things that they have to go through. So those are some of the things that I cut out, but that was the bulk of the, the blog post. And then I was kind of interested in this 88% campaign because I was like, okay, they've presented this problem. Let's see what they're, what they're doing about it. So I went over to 88percentcampaign.com, and there's a little video about kind of what they do, but then underneath that, they kind of describes like the issue and what they're doing about it. So I'm just going to read a little bit from that before we discuss this. Chickens raised for meat represent the greatest number of animals raised and killed for the U.S. food supply. And that's where also where 88% comes from because it's 88% chickens. Of land animals, at least. Of land animals, yeah, yeah. There are no meaningful legal protections for these birds and their lives and deaths are full of suffering. Their breeding predisposes them to significant health issues. Their environment is stressful, filthy, and devoid of anything related to a natural life. The last hours of their lives are terrifying, involving transport with thousands of other birds to a slaughter facility that typically hangs them upside down, fails to adequately stun them, and then slits their throats while they are conscious. The 88% campaign is focused on changing the lives of billions of chickens. We are asking companies to adopt progressive welfare standard that move to higher welfare breeds of birds to address health issues, eliminate current live shackle slaughter methods to end needless fear, pain, and suffering, and improve chickens' environment by adding natural enrichments and giving them more room. And then I will say, at the very end of this, there's a little part that says, like, what you can do, and that includes, like, you know, getting email updates, figuring out how you can kind of get involved, and there's, you know, PDFs for different flyers and, and and infographics that you can put up. But it does also list this, change what you eat. The best way to safeguard chickens and other farm animals from cruelty and abuse is to transition to a diet that doesn't include animals or animal products. And I thought it was cool they included that because in the, the video that they have promoting it and from the blog post and all the rest of the everything that was on this website, it was very, you know, like welfare. It was just welfare. It was all welfare. It's really nothing about it was really nothing about changing the way changing what you do personally it was all about like oh how can we change what mcdonald's does instead of how can we change what we do so i thought it was nice at least that they included this at the very end on the website but i think of more importance is in the main blog post article that it it kind of unfortunately in my opinion and i'm sure andy your opinion as well it really was focused on we need to hold McDonald's accountable because they need to do better at treating their chickens better before they kill them and serve them up instead of we need to do better by eating less of these chickens. Uh, Cause I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, to me, it's, it's a bummer 
that they have this campaign called like the 88% campaign that's saying, look at all these, these billions of chickens that are, that are being treated so cruelly and being eaten every single year. And the answer isn't, I'm bummed that the answer isn't, how can we get that number to go down? The answer is just, how can we treat those billions of animals, the 88% of land animals, how can we treat them better before we then kill them and eat them? You know, in in the face of comparing this to the one step for animals, which was the everyone should just stop eating chicken campaign, mm-hmm. I feel like it's making that one step for animals campaign look pretty good in comparison. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like I can't. It's like I've 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 like hel- I've done work with the Humane League to help my college campus switch out some of their non-vegan products with vegan products. So it's like, I support some of the stuff they do, but I just like can't get behind this whole ideology of there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. It's just, we just have to make sure these companies treat their animals better before they kill them. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, this, this makes me wonder about, you know, I don't want to dredge up our whole conversation about animal welfare and single issue campaigns and whatnot. It's well documented in the show before, <laughs> but it does, it does, it does make to say the least, but it does make me sort of, it makes me more critical of certain campaigns and how it's implemented. Yeah. I was trying to find some of the reactions from various groups to this and, and almost all of them were saying that this, the measures that they're going to implement fall far short of what they would like. PETA, interestingly enough, does call it a victory for the birds, but does say, you know, why wait seven years and does talk about some of the shortcomings as well. But outlets like local Fox news station just have articles touting how, by 2024 all chickens raised or sold at mcdonald's will be raised and killed humanely so mcdonald's is getting a ton of great press off of this and they're not really doing much and so i'm wondering if if like animal advocates that were pushing for this are inadvertently steering mcdonald's in a direction where they get a lot of praise and people think that the animals they're consuming were quote unquote humanely raised and killed but instead they're not really doing anything at all yeah because i took a quick look at because it links the the blog post links the actual policy that that McDonald's announced and McDonald's is certainly pushing that this is like a like a something that's good for the animals they list um uh, reading it right now they list like improved farm level welfare outcomes and nat- <laughs> so and <weird. laughs> yeah, natural behavior so require chickens to be raised in housing environments that promote promote natural behaviors and like a different type of stunning that they're going to use and having a different accountability system for their chicken welfare. So it's like the things that they say that they're doing, like it, it seems like it's the type of things that would be the result of someone pushing for, Hey, McDonald's treat your animals better. This seems like the natural result for what McDonald's would do if someone pushed them to, be better with their with their welfare right like it's like with the whole whole foods thing i mean i think whole foods has a better uh reputation of quote like treating their animals better but is it really that different from like what mcdonald's is gonna is saying that they're gonna do it's it's all i feel like it's kind of arbitrary if you say treat your animals better then they say okay i'm gonna do these things 
But then you say, no, you need to treat them better in a different way. I don't know. I feel like it's a tough, it's a tough battle to, to, to fight. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of something that a lot of advocates have to decide for themselves, whether they think that that's a battle worth fighting. I think that when we bring up certain campaigns of this nature, we often talk about how, well, these are things that don't get implemented for, you know, seven years in that time, the company will find ways to sort of go back on their agreement and and it all just you know at first they get that announcement in seven years we're gonna do this great thing for animals and then in seven years they don't actually do the thing or it's or it's meaningless or they've sort of whittled away at what they're actually gonna do and i just you know it makes me just be on team vegan education yeah yeah, like i feel like so mcdonald's has put out this thing that says we're gonna make all these changes on or before 2024 so seven years and but but already you know if the humane league is already like no they need to be doing other things then it it kind of makes these these sorts of agreements that they make meaningless unless they can implement them quicker because i i feel like these organizations aren't going to be are, are going to be quick to catch on to the fact that if you pressure them to to do something to ch- to change their welfare in some way then they change their welfare in that way but then it's just the, then as soon as they say okay in the next 7 years we're going to be changing these things that you said that you pushed so hard to get but then immediately after that do they just start campaigning for even better conditions and then and then that company is going to be like wait like we just did the thing that you want that you wanted us to do and now you're and we have 10 years to implement it but now you're saying you want something else i don't know i don't know if that's how it usually goes but i imagine if you're someone that is trying to 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 push for these measures even if mcdonald's had agreed to the changes that are put forward in like the 88 percent campaign even if mcdonald's agrees to do that do do you then if you're if that's like your thing if that's what you're campaigning for do you then just move on to the next company after that or do you say well mcdonald's is still doing some pretty shitty stuff even with these improved conditions so now are we going to start a different campaign to attack mcdonald's do you know what i mean i would guess that the strategic next step is to then go to the next biggest company and go look at this change that mcdonald's did don't you want to be like the leader in this field you don't want to be shown up by McDonald's, but everyone thinks is really shitty. And maybe they make their rounds to all the companies that way. And then they come back around to McDonald's a few years later and they're like, look at all these other companies that have made <laughs> welfare improvements. Like, do you want to make welfare improvements? Yeah. And I guess that's something we've always been critical of with these specific types of campaigns is what exactly is the end goal? Like, will you, will you push someone so far to a point where like we've made so many positive changes why would we possibly what could we possibly do to please you more and then you're also in a point where everyone feels really good about the animals that they're consuming and they're everyone's saying well why would we change like all these animals are treated so well because of all these standards that you've put forth why would you campaign for standards that you don't think are good enough it send to me it sends really mixed messages and i feel like you're only going to be able to you know, you were saying when you loop back around to McDonald's then and say like, oh, look at what these groups are doing now. So now you got to improve your standards even more. You're only going to be successful with these campaigns if you can get a majority of people 
backing or if you can get a lot of people backing them because McDonald's is not going to change because in, because one organization wants them to change they're going to change because their potential clients want the, their potential consumers want them to change and your own and if your goal is to keep imp- keep improving conditions forever then I guess you do have to do some education about why the conditions are bad in the first place. And I feel like it's, it's leading. If that cycle continues, it's leading to you needing to educate people on why they should be vegan anyways. You know what I mean? It's like, if, if you, if your goal is to say if, or if the welfareist, uh, if their plot, if their plan is to say we're going to keep improving conditions on, for animals until the animals just don't exist anymore, and then they don't need the the conditions to to be improved for them, <laughs> I, I, things got so good they just well, disappeared. I didn't, I, you know what I mean? Like people just stopped consuming them. Not, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I phrased that strangely. But if that's your goal, then at some point the step is going to have to be, hey, we, you need to stop serving animals or. Hey, you need to, yeah, you need to stop serving animals and you're only going to get people to back that if those people themselves are not eating animals and you're only going to get people to back that if you're promoting people not eat animals. So it's like, even if that's your goal, if that's, if that's quote, how welfareism is going to lead to the vegan world, at some point you're going to need the people backing all your campaigns to be on board with what you're promoting. And if what you're promoting is eventually veganism, like why not just Go for that right now. Why not just promote the veganism aspect of it right now? Because right now, their education, like all the infographics and stuff are just like, look how bad the conditions are for animals. So let's here's how you change the conditions. I feel like you could easily just change some of the wording and say, look how bad the conditions are for animals. So fucking cut that out. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I, we do believe in a diversity of tactics, of course, and coming at things from different angles. But I do wonder if the effort spent on getting these welfare reforms could maybe be better spent on just getting these groups to increase their vegan options. Yeah. You know, making it easier for people to go vegan instead of, I think the welfare route makes it harder for people to go vegan because it gives them more of an out for their continued exploitation of animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me, to me, it seems counterproductive. I, I totally understand that these animals are going through just abject misery and brutal torture. And that I, I totally get that people say we have to do what we can to make that torture less bad for animals right now. And I, I get why people would have that drive, but I think that we, we help more animals in the long run and, and achieve a much more permanent state of liberation for animals. If we are promoting the end goal of veganism. And I also get it. I get it too, because it's a more tangible goal. If you're, if, if it's more tangible, if what you're saying is I want animals to be treated better versus the vegan goal, which is I don't want these animals to exist at all. That's not like a, it's, it's like not something that's fun sounding, you know, it's not some, and I know that's trivializing it, but it's not something that's like, it's not a very sexy goal, Andy, to say like, I just, I just want these things to not exist. Not a sexy goal. Not a sexy goal. So not that I think that, not that I believe that all people that are in favor of these sorts of campaigns are only doing it for the reason of they want to feel better about themselves. I don't think that that's true at all, but maybe like to some subconscious level, 
it, it, it feels good to be like, I'm helping these animals suffer less versus the vegan goal, which is <laughs> you don't exist anymore. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think it's nice. It feels good when you have a tangible goal that you can accomplish. I think that is actually one of uh, the key benefits of single issue campaigns is that having a goal with like a winnable objective is pretty crucial. I think that helps people maintain momentum, feel like we've gotten victories under our belts. All of those things are positive. I think that that does help people move forward in their activism. So I understand the appeal of those things as opposed to this vague, we're trying to make as many people vegan as possible. And obviously there are people that spend their time doing both of those things. And there are people that work on these campaigns that do advocate veganism in their everyday life. And perhaps their organization also has an arm that advocates for veganism. So I don't want to make this false dichotomy of it's, it's either or, because obviously most of the people working on these welfare campaigns are vegan themselves and, and want a vegan world. And, you know, it's like, I, I know plenty of, ve- I don't know if this is the debate we want to have right now, but I know plenty of vegans I know some vegans who who like don't really participate in activism. They're just passive vegans. And I think even being a passive vegan can be helpful to, to normalize veganism and for other reasons. But, you know, would I guess, would you say, Andy, like, would you rather have someone just being a passive vegan or being a vegan that also works for a, like a single issue campaign or like one of these campaigns? I think in general, I'd rather have people doing advocacy than not. Obviously, as we've discussed many times, there's certain types of advocacy that I think can hurt veganism. I, I don't think that this is necessarily hurting veganism. I, I feel like I disagree I, with I, you, because it, it normalizes that there's a, a good way to, there's an, a, an okay way to eat animals. Yeah. Yeah. In my, in my experience, the people that have made a conscious effort you consume the quote-unquote humane animal products flesh and secretions they're the most resistant to giving it up i get that and and i think i think the reason why i'm more hesitant on this specific campaign is because i was like i was saying i was looking over some of these infographics and so easily it could be converted to a like a go vegan poster or try vegan poster if they just changed some of the wording around like the information that they're still getting out is is still look how terrible this is and i feel like they just need to change it to here's what you can do about it try a plant-based diet try veganism and then it would be so good so i i I think i'm less critical on this specific one because the education that they are getting out could still lead people to switch to veganism i i believe yeah, I guess time will tell. Yeah. Is that all we got for today, Andy? I think that's it. It's a kind of a lengthy news roundup, but we would definitely love to hear from all the beardos out there what you think of these stories, which ones we missed. We we super appreciate when people send us some news stories. We can't we can't catch them all. They're not Pokemon, <laughs> so uh, please send those in to us. Send in your thoughts to thebeardvegans at gmail.com. Paul, we've gotten a, a plethora of really thoughtful, lengthy emails lately from people, and those are always really fun to read. So thank you to everyone that has sent those in. Yeah. and uh, we, We're working on responding to everybody. I was going to say, sorry if, if like you've sent us an email and we haven't responded to it yet. And we, like Andy said, we appreciate so much of like all of the thought that you're putting into these these emails and i i cannot express how how grateful i am 
for all this for for taking the time out to write that stuff in and it's hard to like oh it's it's it's, sometimes it's hard to respond to them it's like you want to put in as much time and energy as you know went into sending the email so again apologies if if we haven't gotten back to you in a timely manner but we try to get through them eventually i know some some end up slipping through the cracks just because andy and myself are busy busy bees but we we 100% read them all and really 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 appreciate it. Yes, definitely. So thank you once again. And so if you want to send us an email on that note or if you want to complain about something that we said on this episode and why we're wrong or tell us why we're right, you can always send us an email at thebeardedvegans@gmail.com. You can also head over to the Facebook or the Instagram, just the bearded vegans and comment on there. Or on the Instagram, especially see all of Andy's and sometimes my tasty food that we're eating. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's all I got to say. Andy, do you got anything? Do we got anything coming up? Oh, we do. You and us both have things coming up. <laughs> you and us. Yes, you and us. So <laughs> this weekend, November 11th, I'm going to be at the Atlanta Veg Fest in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's kind of my last really big veg fest of the season but got some pop-ups coming up after that november 19th they'll be at the vegan pop-up in asbury park new jersey presented by the new jersey veg fest december 8th and 9th i'll be at the compassion fest holiday bazaar in hampton connecticut and we'll probably start reminding people at the start of the show after this one but december 9th we're going to be doing our next live podcast taping at the compassion vest holly bazaar at 5 p.m on december 9th so definitely come out to that it is free to attend december 10th they'll be at vegan market in brooklyn new york december 17th paul is gonna be at the philly vegan pop flea at the tattooed mom in philly eating that beyond burger it's gonna be a fun time so yeah at all of those i will be behind the compassion company table sometimes paul will be there so stop by say what's up beardo get a free bearded vegans button and sticker from us and we definitely look forward to seeing you there heck yeah Well, I do hope that everyone listening does get a chance to check out the link to that Brother Wolf petition that's gathering the 100,000 signatures to get all the animal welfare groups to adopt a vegan policy. Paul, Mm -hmm. unbeknownst to you, I have been circulating a little petition around the United States, and the petition has now reached 100,000 signatures. And the goal of that petition is to get you to call literally every single <laughs> resident of the United States and say the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegans, signing off. Uh, I did want to share a few <laughs> subpar food experiences that I've had recently. <laughs> I went to Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights, and I put the call out on our Instagram, hey, send me some food suggestions. I didn't get any, and that's because there's not really a lot of vegan food going on at Universal Studios. Uh, I did happen by, in like the, there's like Krusty Land, the Simpsons-themed land, and they have a Krusty Burger there. And I went in, and they had... A black bean burger, the patty itself, vegan, the bun, not vegan. Yikes. And right. It's just like, 
That's just that's just a disappointing salad at this point. But I did get some <laughs> crusty fries just for the experience. But Universal Studios really needs to step it up. Disney is kicking your butt because they got that delicious vegan gumbo. And then speaking of bunless burgers, Paul. BB's bunless burgers. BB's bunless burgers. Uh, <laughs> the, are you aware of the chain BurgerFi? I'm aware of it. I have not been, though. Well, that might change because every location now has the Beyond Burger. Which uh, people know I'm I'm a fan of that burger. So last night I called in an order. I went, I picked it up, and when I got home, I opened it up, and instead of buns, it was replaced with lettuce. Oh no! Like a clamshell of lettuce, <laughs> and and it it really disappointed me because on their website to order. It's like meat burgers, vegetarian burgers, and then it said like vegan beyond burgers. So you click that and then all the customizable options, they only show you the vegan ones. And I had looked it up already. Their multi-grain bun is vegan and that's what was checked off. And I feel like in terms of ways an order could get messed up that still retains its veganness, that's probably the most disappointing mess up that could possibly <laughs> happen to me. So yeah. I'm excited that BurgerFi... You're not selling it for me, Andy. I know. I'm a, well, they offered to give me some burger five bucks to make it up Ooh. for me. Uh, some BBs. Some more BBs. <laughs> so with that being said, let's move on to our next piece of item, which... Next piece of item. <clears throat> There'll be no more elephants under the big top in New York State after Governor Andrew Cuomo... Cuomo? Cuomo. 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 There'll be no more elephants under the big top in New York State after Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill into law that prohibits the pachyderms. I should have read. I should have read ahead. Pachyderms is correct. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. And this is actually put together by the folks at (laughs) PlantBasedNews.com. Dot com. It's dot com. I'm pretty sure it's dot com, right? Andy, while we're mm-hmm. while we're while they're listening to this trailer right now, quick mm-hmm. story. I was I was in Brooklyn this morning, and and I think I walked by Michael Rappaport. Great. That seems right. like where he would be. <clears throat> <laughs> An episode. Episode. An episode. An episode. An episode. Uh, I'm wearing my episode right now. <laughs> I wish that at the very beginning it was just hate breed going. Everyone's vegan now. <laughs> I'm sure five people listening appreciate that joke, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about the... Uh... <clears throat> oh, do I, Andy? Sorry, there's a motorcycle outside just revving his engine. Just for fun. Just for fun. Because you're recording a podcast in there. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, I was going to say something. Can you can you hear that? Yeah, I sure can. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say about this. When we, the more we show people that the vegan food can be good. <laughs> the less excuse people have about. This is from Reuters dot com. U.S. Reuters. Moves. Sorry. <laughs> The agency, which to date has never revoked a health claim, said studies published since it's authorized the soy protein. What? 
also, I would say, have this link handy for when people inevitably, uh, inevitably, have this link handy for when people inevitably, inevitably. I like the rhythm on the way you say inevitably. Inevitably. <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, I guess I can't it's say. the only way to say it, but it's nice. Inevitably. Ine- inevitably. It's like inevitably. someone like f- falling down the stairs. <laughs> inevitably. Inevitably. <laughs> fails to adequately stun them, and then slits their throats while they are conscious. Bless you. Well, I do hope that everyone does go back to the show notes and check out the link for that partition. (laughs) 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 This is not my night. (laughs) Well, I do hope everyone goes back to the show notes and checks out the link to that petition from Brother Wolf Animal Rescue about... uh, whatever the fuck it was about (laughs) (laughs) is to get you to call literally every single resident of the United States and say the following seven words. We are the bearded vegans signing off and then hang up.